0: Grain markets are starting the week off with some price gains. Bean oil is the biggest.
1: Yikes. Bean oil is the biggest something. I guess you'll just have to stick around to find out what the end of that sentence is on AgriTalk. Live from Chiefs Kingdom, Via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk this morning. We'll begin with a conversation with Machinery <laughs> Pete, Greg Peterson. Then it's Tanner Emke from CoBank and directly following the news. Brett Waltz from BAM WX. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson. Somewhere the host of AgriTalk, Chip Flory.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was the crazy thing is. right there. All of a sudden, I couldn't hear anything. Really? Anything at all? Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't hear anything at all. It was all gone. I was still talking,
1: uh-huh. but I don't sure. think you could hear me either. Um, yes, something about bean oil. It was sounded very exciting, but we didn't catch the okay. end of it. Yeah. Uh,
0: okay, and then I said there's some dents in the armor of the used machinery market, too. Ooh, Can you believe that?
1: That's a great yes. visual.
0: Yeah. Well, there you go. There you go. Uh, we will talk with Machinery Pete about that, of course, as you told everyone. I mentioned it. Yes. For sure. Yeah. So welcome. Welcome <laughs> to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. I'm here. You kind of broke uh, off I've, there I've, again I've, a little I, bit. Are you okay? You yeah, all right? Oh, goodness gracious. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. I thought everything was, was fully operational this morning, but maybe mm-hmm. there are some, some uh, gremlins roaming about. Uh, we'll Possible. have to deal with them. Possible. Dude, congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs.
1: Back to back, baby. Well, thanks. And, you know... For a while there in the first quarter, I thought, "Oh no, my prediction has gone horribly, <laughs> horribly wrong. It <laughs> is going to be three to nothing, and we're <laughs> going to lose." And it's going the wrong way, yeah. And it was it was the tale of the field goal kickers, though. If you ask me, that's where the interesting stuff happened. Absolutely, uh, is it, it Mooney? He he set Moody. a new Super Bowl record, right? At, at Moody, you're right. And then uh, Butker comes in, and just you know, we're going to move it back just a little right. further. We're going to take that away from you after about an hour. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, crazy. Exactly. Oh, it was <laughs> nuts to see two record field goals in the yeah. same half. Yep. And uh uh the way it all happened and then that missed extra point. Yep. You know, you just think, eh, it's a point. How big of it Oh mm-hmm. my gosh. It was a mm-hmm. huge deal. Huge Absolutely, deal in last was. night's game. No question about it. Well, just, and what a uh, showing
1: by Brock Purdy though. Oh my goodness. Well, um that kid's got a future.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. It's uh he absolutely I think absolutely has a future. Uh didn't do anything you know late in the game that I would say was a you know a big push to to really go out and win the game. He had a couple of opportunities uh in overtime in particular that I mm-hmm. thought boy there were some missed opportunities right there but you know the the season veteran at a whole 28 years right. old came right. through and just marched his team down the field i think surprised everyone when he found that receiver in the in the end zone on the final uh final play of the game
1: oh absolutely the Chiefs spent the whole first half in a state of shock i feel like to some degree
0: yeah absolutely
1: all right buddy let's get to the news what do you got well let's start with the national weather service weather outlook a significant weather storm a winter storm in fact crossing the mid-south today will transition into a strong nor'easter for the mid-atlantic and uh up into new england by tuesday Areas of severe thunderstorms, heavy rainfall, and flash flooding will be possible across portions of the southeast today. New storm system will arrive across the northwest by the middle of the week with areas of locally heavy rain and mountain snowfall. Chip, southern Brazil continued to dry out during the weekend as temps were warm while rainfall was minimal. World Weather Inc. says needed rains will move into those areas Tuesday through Thursday. Another round of dry weather is expected during the middle to latter part of next week. Brazil's soybean harvest reached 23% complete as of last wow. Thursday. This, according to AgroRal, the second fastest pace on record. That's just behind 26% in yeah. 18 and 19. And let's not forget that the season started with some delayed plantings.
0: Mm-hmm. And so here we are at on the second fastest harvest pace that we've seen. Obviously, uh, it would suggest that the bean crop has been pushed by the dry conditions.
1: Well, Chip, a significant number of Republican senators have voiced support for a bill to provide $95 billion in foreign aid to Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan. The measure was stripped of border provisions last week after conservatives objected to a bipartisan border deal. Poland reportedly plans to initiate quality checks on all grain shipments from Ukraine. This, according to the Deputy Ag Minister. And as uh, Polish farmers continue nationwide protests against EU policies, including allowing grain imports from the neighboring country. Indonesia's government assured consumers rice stocks were adequate amid increasing sale restrictions in retail outlets since the end of 2023. The availability of five kilogram sacks at modern retail outlets have been reportedly scarce since around September last year leading to a restriction for retail customers, Chip. Nothing says everything's yeah. okay. <laughs> right?
0: No, like, oh, there's plenty, sure. Yeah. Yikes. Except for when there isn't, when you look at the shelves. You know, this is one yeah. case where your eyes definitely do not deceive you. They've got an issue over there with rice supplies.
1: Well, Chip, Dr. Vince Malanga says in 2024, companies will embrace a motto of, quote, doing more with less, focusing on cost-cutting measures and spending discipline to improve performance. Chip, a recent Wall Street Journal article suggests the U.S. pork industry has become too efficient. Despite producing various pork products like tenderloin, ham, sausage, and delicious bacon, there's insufficient demand to absorb the surplus, the industry exploring various strategies to address those challengers. And finally, most Farm Bill watchers continue to predict the new bill will come in 2025, not this year. If it comes this year, sources say it would have to make substantial progress by May. Chip, substantial progress, not their strong suit on the Hill.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is exactly right. And back to that Wall Street uh, Journal article, tenderloin, yeah. ham, sausage, bacon, <laughs> all from the same wonderful animal. <laughs> 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 the glorious <laughs> pig. All right, let's bring, in, <laughs> let's bring in Brett Waltz, BAMWX.com. Good morning, Brett. How are you? Hey, good morning, Chip. I'm doing pretty well. How are you? Good, good, good. Things are looking good here in the middle of the country this week, huh?
2: Yeah, not too bad. Hey, it's been crazy warm, really, if you think about it, over the past seven days or so. Uh, days in the 60s and the 70s down to the south. Uh, severe weather, too, uh, up up into Wisconsin and Indiana over the past seven yeah. days. Uh, I do think that there's the potential for a little bit of a colder trend, at least a little bit of a moderation as we go throughout this week, and maybe a little clipper system, bring some light snow across the north-central part of the country.
0: Okay. Across the north-central part of the country, does that get... Does North include me up here in Northeast Iowa? <laughs> yeah,
2: you're you're gonna be close. The, I think the system oh. tracks kind of through South Dakota, Minnesota, Wisconsin. So you know, if it ticks a little bit further south, you, you're kind yeah. of right on the border there.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. All right, take us down to South America, uh, Brazil. Any warnings for this week? Yeah, so I,
2: I I think that as we look at Brazil specifically here. Um, I, I think that as we work into next week, it's probably going to get pretty active uh, across eastern Brazil and, and eastern Mato Grasso. I think those areas are going to turn pretty wet. Uh, okay. I still think that maybe you know M- uh, Mato Grosso and Mato Grasso do Sul there into Paraná that could be an area where we need to watch for maybe a little bit of a of a drier trend there.
0: Yeah, yeah. Everybody's trying to figure it out after last week's rains in Argentina. Does that continue this week? You know, it's
2: going to be drying out a little bit after the next couple of days. That's an area that probably stays a little bit drier than normal in the extended range. Still some rains to happen in the short term, though. Gotcha.
0: Brett, thank you, buddy. We'll talk to you next week. Yep. Thanks, Chip. You bet. Brett Waltz, BAMWX.com. Of course, get more from the team at BAMWX at www.BAMWX.com. We got Greg Peterson, Machinery Pete, next
1: Machine Repeat
3: here, folks. This segment of AgriTalk brought to you by our friends at Dakota Ag Innovations, makers of Dakota Shine, the best way I've seen to fix faded paint. Go to dakotashine.com or call 888-996-7801.
0: Welcome back to AgriTalk. I am Chip. Glad that you are with us on this Monday morning. Davis Michelson is here as well. Um, I it, it doesn't sound like you're in any kind of recovery mode at all. You just kind of took it all in stride last night.
1: Absolutely. I did. Yes. yes. A boy, I, I find myself uh, re-energized, reinvigorated, yeah. you know? Yeah.
0: I, yeah. Hey, you I know, when good. you're a dynasty, you got to act like you've been there before.
1: You You gotta, you know, you gotta shape it up a little bit. Right. I mean, we're supposed to do this another, another, at least once more. Yeah. I mean, I got to hold it together. You know, I can't fall apart every time that we win now. Yeah. Dude, yeah. I'd be a mess. Well, well, good for you. Good it's, for
0: too you. it's too much winning. You know, much. it's going to be a lot of hate pointed at, uh, I shouldn't say hate, you know, a lot of jealousy pointed at Kansas City. There is, yes. In the, in the year ahead. I don't think there's any question about that. Mm. All right, Greg Peterson, Machinery Pete. How you doing, Greg?
3: Hey, I'm doing well, guys. How are you doing today?
0: We're doing okay. Doing okay. Uh, Davis's team won, mine did not, but you know, life's okay. We move forward.
3: Yeah. You know, I, on the Kansas city front, uh, I was thinking, uh, last week I was traveling. Actually. I actually was going through Ohio and the first time ever I stopped in Canton at the hall of fame. Oh. Um, and I texted a friend of mine from Kansas city, uh, George Seward. And, uh, I met him at, uh, our youngest daughter's wedding. Our daughters are friends, and George it was interesting. His Kansas City connection. Uh, he, when he was a kid, he was a roofer, and one of his jobs was for Bobby Bell.
0: Now, okay. younger
3: listeners might not know that name, but if you're my age or older, my dad, Bobby Bell, Hall of Famer, played for the University of Minnesota. Number seventy-eight was a linebacker on the Chiefs' Super Bowl win and Super Bowl four, of course, over my Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, But I took a picture of Bobby Bell's bust in the Hall of Fame, and yeah. I said it to George, and I said, hey, good luck this weekend, man. And, uh, yeah, happy for all the Chiefs fans out there. But Niners fans, I mean, they, I read now they've lost, I don't know how many them, they've lost, two or four, but it's like, hey, yeah, at least
0: you guys have won like five Vikings yeah. fans. We're starting for
3: win number one.
0: <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh, yep. That's anyway. exactly right. Exactly right. All right, buddy. Let's get to the pick of the week. What do you got?
3: Going to Oklahoma on Saturday. A okay. containment sale by Elite Auction Company, Justin and the crew there. Really a great auction company. And a big sale, but one item really jumped out at me. It was a 2011 New Holland H8060 wind rower. I think it only had 184 hours on it. <clears throat> Excuse me. It came off the Bob Davis retirement line. So, I mean, you know, 13-year-old, pre-deaf it doesn't matter what it is kids to tractor combine sprayer you're, it's going to be high it's going to be a record and it was it brought 116k mm-hmm. and just for perspective i mean the previous record was 855 that was almost 12 years ago on an almost identical one on a sale in colorado wow so there you go 12 years later you go from 85k to 116k and uh, we posted it of course on social media and uh, yeah. One of the commenters nailed it. He goes, "Well, that's a new one," and I was like, "Bingo!" That's yep. the whole—that's the whole nut right there. So, one sixteen—that was pretty good.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's a—it's a, it, a good-looking machine. There's no question about it. I'm looking at a picture of it right now. Uh, it, yep. it was well taken care of, and and but it—it I
3: Don't know it, the story it, on the low hours, but uh, you know, uh, different things happen and. But when you wind up with that, especially pre-deaf, but even, you know, even if it's not pre-deaf, if it's six, seven years old with low hours, I mean, compared to the cost of a new one, it just makes, you know, moths to the flame for buyers.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Okay, Uh, you were over in Ohio there late uh, last week doing some work for Mm -hmm. uh, Machine Repeat TV. What'd you see?
3: Well, we kind of saw more of that theme. We were just talking about low hours with some age on it, moths to the flames. So uh, I was a farm retirement sale for Tim and Linda Stegbauer in Fayetteville, Ohio, just uh, outside of Cincinnati, a little ways there. They had some nice green equipment, a 2013 John Deere 82.85R, 1,225 hours, went for $226, 4th highest price ever. And I, I think when I look at our data, auction prices on 82.85R, it's similar across the board. But it's just astounding. It's like nine out of the ten highest prices ever in the last year and a half. So it is what it is. And uh, one tractor that made me smile, guys, was the 07 Deere 8330, 1,628 hours. And we did a preview video the day before the auction with Tim and Linda, the sellers. Okay. And this always happens. You interview someone about, you know, your, your farm, your equipment. You talk for 10, 20, 30 minutes, and then something comes up. And we were talking about that tractor, and Linda said, you know, Greg, that was my favorite tractor. And I was like, oh, well, that's cool. We talked about it a little more. And then it then it came up that Linda Stegbauer is a three-time arm wrestling champion in Brown County, Ohio. And she mentioned it kind of in passing. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa Linda, Linda, wait, 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 wait. What? Arm wrestling. Tell me more about that. I said, what's the secret? And she goes, it's all in quickness. And I was like, well, I did not know that. Thank you for telling me, Linda. But that that's eighty three Linda's eighty three thirty went for 194, wow. sixth highest ever, and again it had sixteen hundred and twenty-eight hours on it. A couple other items, the combine mm-hmm. generated a lot of chatter. It was a John Deere S six seventy. Pitmirth was a fourteen or fifteen, but it only had five hundred and sixty two SEP hours on it. Okay. Now Combines have been sliding in value. Yep. Uh because the amount of them on dealer lots and the amount of sold at auction. But Stegbauer's brought 200K, which is the second highest at 14 months. So um, okay. I'll leave you with one more on the sale. You had a cat, skid steer, of course, talk a lot about those, but 262D3, only 68 hours.
0: Ooh.
3: And our camera guy, Russ Natusco, <laughs> filming a B-roll on the thing, and he goes, Greg, I've never seen one that, at like, the back window is just like spotless. And I'm like, yep, that's what happens, Russ, when you 68 hours and the Stegbauer's on it. And yeah. that brought 50K, so... Uh, it was a fun sale Friday. We had a great time. And it was a big crowd. It was a fun old-time auction by the one okay. Group. Uh, Kevin and the crew there are fantastic. So it was a good day.
0: All right. Um, we'll talk about that crowd there more in just a minute. But first, talk to me about the trend that you're seeing on these combine prices.
3: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> excuse me, I'm fighting the cold here. But, but like that S670, uh, so that S600 series, I wrote and did a blog about this recently. Now that's what, six to ten, twelve years old, something like that. It's a soft spot. And because of the volume piling up on dealer lots, you going back just over a year ago, finally changing the supply issue, and then the number of the dealers jammed out onto the auction market last year. So last year the average auction price on an S six seventy dropped twenty three point nine percent. Wow. So the average was hundred thousand eight hundred and seventy one bucks because there were so many of them sold. But then here's Tim and Linda's. And so this drove home a point. My old auctioneer friend, a late great Abner Jacobson from my hometown of Benson, Minnesota, when I interviewed him when he's ninety-one years old about bits of wisdom from the auction world and the equipment world, mm-hmm. he said, Greg, you always gotta remember when on sale day, there's only one for sale. So yeah, there's a ton of S670s out there, but you know what? There's only one that's Tim and Linda's. Mm-hmm. That's why I wanted to do the walkthrough preview video the day before the sale. And Tim was like, well, what do you want to talk about? And I'm just like, Tim, just let's just stand by the combine and tell me about it. Mm-hmm. And then people four states away when they see you and hear you mm-hmm. talk about it. And that's, you know, just for listeners out there, that's, we have to fight our Midwesternness of like oh, I don't want to. I'm uncomfortable talking about my tractor. Right. But I'm telling you, when you're selling something, and if, to whatever degree you personalize it, that's when you get 200k instead of 175. Right. It's dollars bills in your pocket, and our yep. data just screams it across the board. Yeah. So again, the nicest condition used, even when there's a lot of supply out there, it can still bring a premium if. You know, and the wind group does a great job marketing. We of yeah. course do what we can to help auction companies and and uh yeah, that was a it was intense bidding
0: on that. Yep. Thing. Seriously. Yeah. And it sounds like there's plenty of crowd out there. There's gonna be plenty of crowd uh down in Louisville this week. This is it. National Farm Machinery Show Week.
3: Yeah, exciting week. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to catching up with you guys on uh, yeah. Thursday after my I'll be doing my annual seminar at 10 o'clock at South Wing 105B, I think. So rest, yeah. come rest your feet, folks. We'll talk traffic ah. in the market, tell some stories. And then I'm going to zip over and join you guys, I think, at 1130 at the Case H exhibit. Yes. So and our talk will be sponsored by our friend at Copperhead Ag Products. Mm-hmm. And I'll be over at their booth at uh, 1 o'clock on Cool. Thursday and then also Thursday at three o'clock at Clark's Egg Supply for the Easy Load Feed System. So it should be a gotcha. fun week in Louisville.
0: Yeah. Yeah, always a fun week in Louisville, no doubt about it. All right, buddy, we will see you down there. Thanks, man.
3: You bet. Catch you next week, guys. All
0: right. <laughs> That's Greg Peterson, Machinery P. We're gonna talk farm economy with Tanner Epkee from Kobe next.
4: time for markets now with the experts from pro farmer
0: joining us now pro farmer editor brian grady beach uh some mixed trade in the grains here this morning but the soy complex soybeans and meal trying to lead the way to the upside what's going on
5: yeah correct you buying there chip uh, so we, we've got gains anywhere from about uh, seven to ten cents in soybeans uh plus, upwards of more than $6 in the uh, March contract in in meal higher, and you know, so that's positive. Uh, Soy oil, it's under some pressure, Uh, not a lot, but uh, just some weakness there. So some spreading activity in the soy product markets. Uh, Corn is a little bit following soybeans and soy meal to the upside, uh, just about a penny higher. Uh, But, you know, wheat struggling to find buyer interest in most of those contracts and and kind of a mixed tone here at mid-morning.
0: Yeah, wheat is very directionless at this point. I don't think that it's going to be, uh, that that story is going to change throughout the week unless we get some, some headlines that are unexpected. All right, take us over to the livestock trade. Start with feeder cattle. We've got corn moving to the upside, but feeders are, are putting on a uh, on some gains too.
5: Yeah, moderate to strong gains, especially in the front end of that market uh, for feeders. And, and so uh good sol- solid start to the uh, week here. Live cattle futures, they traded higher initially, but uh, buyer interest is limited, and now we have mostly uh, weaker tone here, and, and we'll kind of have to wait and see. We had uh, strong gains in the cash market uh, last Friday, uh, probably looking at a situation very similar this week where we'll have uh, extended cash negotiations that go deep into the week. Yeah. And then the hog futures uh, just kind of continue to, to bleed to the downside here. The cash index is down for a second straight day, and so there's some concerns that may Maybe we've topped out from a short-term perspective.
0: Gotcha. Thank you, Brian. Pro Farmer Editor, Brian
1: Grady on Markets Now. Opinions expressed on Agritalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. Do you suffer from talking on the radio phobia? No problem. Send us a tweet at hashtag Agritalk. All my reasons. Welcome back
0: to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. Glad that you are with us. Davis, at the end of last week, we were getting some of the updates on the net farm income projections from USDA. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was not too pretty. Not too pretty. USDA forecast a significant $40 billion plunge in 2024 net farm income compared to 2023, which was down. 26 billion from the record that was set in 2022 Hmm. so that's got to have an impact uh on on the industry on farmer attitudes on everything and uh to talk about that with us right now is tanner emke he is the lead economist for grains and oil seeds at CoBank's knowledge exchange research division tanner it is good to talk with you again how are you
4: I'm doing all right chip uh thanks for having me back
0: yeah I wish we had better news to talk about
4: I was gonna say I wish you had me on to talk about something a little bit happier uh, yeah so
0: <laughs> but
5: yeah. such
4: as the name I don't think this is any surprise when USDA came out with their uh, projections right uh right. chip I don't th- I wouldn't know of anybody that would be surprised by what they said so hopefully I'm we're not dropping any bombshells on anybody here about uh, their dimmer outlook for the year ahead
0: yeah. Sixty six billion dollars off in two years that uh, that's a lot for any industry to absorb, isn't it?
4: Absolutely. I mean, uh, it's now there's some nuance in those numbers, obviously, but uh, across the board, uh, man, that is a huge drop. Um, It's all in context, although you you said just a little bit ago, Chip, uh, we're coming off some really high highs, uh, you know, the last couple of years uh so we can't uh accept that as a reasonable watermark uh the last couple of years of net farm income that we've seen uh so probably i maybe call it uh, a regression to the mean if you mm-hmm. want to get into the math on it i mean perhaps we're trending back to something a, a bit more normal if you could put it that way
0: yeah uh and, and usda secretary tom Vilsack, rightfully so Pointed out that we're coming off of a, a record year in 22. It wasn't a terrible year in 23, uh, but the year ahead is going to be be uh, quite a bit softer than that, and just below the inflation-adjusted average for like the last right. 20 years, something like that. Uh, yes. It feels it feels a little diceier than just below. The average, and I don't know if it's just some, some um, I don't want to say panic, Tanner, but the conversations that I'm having with, with producers, and I'm thinking back to the conversations at Top Producer Summit last week, uh, right. There, there is a fair amount of anxiety over what this means for their business in the long term as far as pulling the reins back on, on growth mode.
4: It's going to have. It's gonna cause a lot of hard conversations, absolutely. Uh, when you look across the board, ship uh, production sp- expenses were up uh, in their forecast. Uh, there's only a couple of outliers. Uh, fuel being one of them, interest expense being one of them. Other than those uh, in the USDA numbers, expenses are going to be up across the board. And as you said, it's hard to put yourself in growth mode when things are getting so expensive. Uh, at the same time, when the crops and livestock that you're selling are, are going to be down in uh, in price. Uh, it's, a, it's the confluence of those two, uh, those factors that make it a really difficult period to do any store, any sort of long-range thinking uh, right. when you're, if for some people, probably going to be in a little bit of a crisis mode. Uh, right. It's hard to do range planning or hard to put yourself in growth mode when you're just trying to conserve the cash that you have. Right. Um, that It's hard to do that stuff.
0: Yep. Now I'm going to editorialize here just a little bit. You can do so if you if you want here, Tanner. But they say that that part of the reason for the for the uh, for the downfall in net farm income in 2024 is going to be the smallest government payments in 10 yep. years. It's an yep. election year, <laughs> Tanner. I yeah. it, I would think that they're going to find a way somehow to to replace some of this lost farm income.
4: Yeah, I was looking at the uh, the uh, the farm program payments uh, breakout in their forecast. Yusdee know, is saying the biggest drop there is in the su- supplemental and ad hoc disaster assistance. Mm-hmm. I was wondering about that, too. You bring up a very good uh, point there. Uh, in an election year, is uh, the leadership uh, in power right now going to be pulling the reins on that? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Um, I, I'm not going right. to try to, uh, you know, try to throw my hat in the ring on that guess of what political, what the political wins are going to do.
0: Yeah. You um, can't build a business plan on that idea. Can you?
4: <laughs> no, don't build your business plan on the government. That would be a mistake. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I think, you know, there's uh there's always that hope. And the other saying is never, you know, don't strategize, you know, hope is not a strategy. right? right. Uh, so we can hope that, you know, there, the government might come in with some sort of uh, ad hoc assistance uh, or supplemental assistance. Uh, I would say perhaps the only uh, outlier in what USDA is saying here is if there is an actual disaster, if we have um, you know derecho winds or hurricanes or extreme droughts i don't, I don't think that would be happening in, in uh, the current uh, weather pattern but you know those those uh, situations might merit the government to step in and provide some more supplemental assistance because that was the biggest drop in the, in the uh, farm yeah. program payments uh, category so that all of that could uh, change i mean but the problem is it's subject to the political winds uh and it's so hard to judge,
0: right? Right. Um, you, I, I believe you made reference to it just briefly, but the lower prices for corn, soybeans, wheat, row crop, small grains—that's really the big reason for this drop in the in expected farm income. Correct.
4: Absolutely, that's the big part. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, expenses continue to go up, uh, but higher expenses are not a problem if you're getting higher commodity prices. Right. uh, to pay for it. And, uh, across the board, USDA is saying a 4% drop in all commodities, but you got to look through the numbers there. And it's clearly the crops side of things suffering more than the livestock and poultry, uh, and dairy side of things. Um, the biggest drops there are in the greens, uh, you know, you have corn, they have corn down about 15, 14, 15%. Um, you know soybeans not not down as much, but uh, they clearly have uh, a prediction for uh, uh, you know less money coming in for uh, for all oil seeds. Um, there's there's about one outlier here, and that's rice. Uh, it's been a bang up yeah. year for rice producers, <laughs> so because of the because of India's export restrictions, yeah. and uh, it's been a phenomenal year for rice ex- rice growers and uh, just ridiculous export right now and exports, and you've got uh, rice prices uh, trending towards or around yeah. contract highs. That being said, um, you know, otherwise across the board, you're looking at really, uh, you know, a deflationary uh, trend in commodity prices. Uh, this would be what you see uh, in the outside markets as well with other commodities. Um, you know, we talked about energy, things like that. So uh, those commodity prices are under pressure as we see a weakening global uh, economy and uh, plenty of supply. And so that's kind of filtering in here to agriculture. Yeah, And uh, clearly, you know, ag commodity prices uh, generally are under pressure. And that is the big reason, the, the yep. biggest reason we're seeing yep. about a 25 percent drop in net farm income this year.
0: Yep. OK, those are the USDA projections. Do you think they're right?
4: I think USDA is always going to be. They're going to approach it with a little bit of, uh, you know, they're going to be conservative. Uh, They they treat that's generally, you know, the people I talk to in USDA, they don't want to try to, you know, get too far out in their projections. But a twenty five percent drop, that is huge. Yeah. And I, I guess you know when you look at the. It's the both. It's both side of things. You know, the revenue down because commodity prices are down, and we know that uh, production expenses are slow to catch up uh, with lower commodity prices, yeah. and so you've got that that momentum of uh, rising com- rising uh, production costs and land values holding stable and things like that. I mean, some places still going up. At the same time, commodity prices coming down. You look at it and you say, you know what, maybe a 25% drop isn't out of, uh, out of the realm of expectation, especially considering we're coming off of record highs the last couple of years. And so I, I, maybe USDA is on a target. I think, uh, yeah. I don't know, we're only one bad crop away from commodity prices coming back up, though. Yep. Um, and so, or you know, some other effect, uh, there's you know things outside in the geopolitical world. That could drive demand back to the United States or you know the dollar weakening this year perhaps we have a recession uh, the dollar weakens that's going to put a stronger floor under commodity prices uh, perhaps uh, you know we've got uh, you know some other some of our exporting nations uh, need to switch some of their business back to the. US because of droughts uh, and or weather issues overseas that shifts more demand back to the US and at the same time we've got a very strong domestic story here in the US with yeah. demand. Uh, growing uh because of biofuels spec- specifically renewable diesel uh so you've got some positive factors here chip that I think uh you, you got to be a little cautious about how bad usda is projecting the year ahead because in some areas I think it could actually not be so bad because there are positives in the in the uh, in the numbers here like you, you can't get too down on what they're saying but on the whole I see what usda is saying um yeah production expenses, falling commodity prices. There's generally on the whole one that, that kind of scenario. There's no, there's no good story to write home about.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And the narrative is getting out there and, and the anxiety is setting in among row crop producers in particular. I think that's, that is clearly happening. Tanner, I appreciate your perspective on this, man. Thank you so much. Um, Have a great man. Have a great day. Okay. You bet. Thanks a lot, Chip. All right, that is Tanner Emke, lead economist for Grains and Oilseeds at CoBank's Knowledge Exchange Research Division.
1: Knowledge is power. We're here to charge your batteries. AgriTalks. Welcome back to Agritalk, everyone. Your pal Davis Michelson here. Chip Flory looks on from somewhere nearby. Oh yeah, I'm out here. Yeah, yes. Okay, okay.
0: Yep, no doubt.
1: Um, I feel like this is a big this is a big topic here. The story is being written as we go, somewhat. It, Still some oh, information absolutely. missing here. Uh, but Tanner Emke from CoBank really put uh, put some perspective. On these farm income projections, Chip.
0: Yeah, yeah, certainly did. And uh, it it is a story that has been developing for quite some time. And last week with the supply and demand reports that we got from USDA when they took another 35 million bushels off of the, the, the or was it 30 million bushels? Well, we've got bean carry over up to 315 million bushels now, which is in the big picture is not a huge bulging supply of beans left over at the end of the year, but it's enough. Mm-hmm. It, it is enough. And, and, uh, uh, that takes some of the, uh, some of the, geez, vulnerability. Yeah. I guess mm. that, that would be right. Okay. Vulnerability in the bean market out and and what I'm talking about is if we get into spring and there's some planting delays or we get into midsummer and there's some some less than ideal growing conditions, uh, the corn market has got a carryover projection in place, and now so do soybeans. Uh, they've got carryover projections in place that are, are probably going to soften the blow of any weather-related issues out there. So mm-hmm. it'll be... It, it will be interesting to see if the 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 farm income projections that we got last week were some kind of a uh, a warning, a uh, uh, an attempt to get bad news in front of the market before we get to Thursday and Friday's uh, ag outlook forum. Mm-hmm. It, it's mm-hmm. the 100th annual Ag Outlook Forum in in D.C. this week. And this is the first, this is USDA's first unofficial look at the 2024-25 marketing year for corn, soybeans, and wheat. And it, it, it feels like it was, let's get these, let's get these farm income numbers out in front of everyone. And I'm sure that the timing is typical of of what it normally would be, but let's go ahead. Let's get them out there and take some of the uh, some of the bite out of what might be uh, a bit of a negative outlook for the grain markets uh, in in the ag outlook for them later well, this now, week.
1: Are you are you suggesting that? Maybe we're boiling the frog here just a little bit incrementally, and we could yeah. see even uh, lower figures coming out of the ag outlook for them?
0: Uh, I wouldn't say lower figures, but I would say, you know, it, it's it's like I asked Tanner, did these numbers make sense to you? I'm sure that there are a lot of people that are crunching the numbers and saying, ah, eh, that's maybe a little bit too aggressive on the outlook for the decline. Mm -hmm. in farm income uh we should be penciling in more of x well if if we if we don't see a whole lot of support for more farm income in the storylines that come out of out of the ag outlook forum then it's going to be difficult to generate much buying interest especially Mm -hmm. with the funds as short as they are yeah davis uh, we not only have to get the funds it it, it's a three-stage effort now number one get them to stop selling yep it was it, it was number one was get them out of those short positions but now number one is get them to stop selling number two get them out of short positions number three give them a reason to get onto the long side of the market
1: yep um you know all this talk kind of takes me back a little bit to the conversation we had with jody lawrence mm-hmm. on was that friday afternoon friday yeah oh, it's, it seems so long ago you know it's almost <laughs> like a super bowl victory ago You're right it's weird You're right. Yeah. um with the with the genetics talking about yeah. the genetic breakthrough and i mean what if what if we're too good with these genetics here bro and yields just continue to not care as much about the weather and they continue yeah. to improve and we've got these massive yields coming out of the fields no matter what we throw at a crop um yeah. it, how, how much does does that sort of thinking figure in to these oh. outlooks if if any i don't know um i thought I, it was a great
0: point i don't know if it factors in oh it is a great point i don't know if it factors into the outlook forum Okay. It will factor into the market performance if we get into the 24 growing season and there are some issues. You want okay. I got to believe it's going to be a prove-it attitude among mm-hmm. everybody mm-hmm. in the markets right now. And I got more encouragement over the weekend. I can't recall exactly who it was from, but more encouragement over the weekend to get somebody on and I'm still looking for this for for the right person. Okay. Uh to get somebody on and talk about the impact of the Canadian fires and the uh, amount of uh, carbon yep. that it added to you know, with the smoke comes carbon oh,
1: particulate matter in the air, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Oh, baby. Absolutely. Uh, and you know, if there's one thing plants love, it's CO two mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. carbon. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of what they grow on. <laughs> mm. So we, we need to keep that in mind, too. No two growing seasons are the same, but this 2023 season was one that was really, really strange. And it's still going to take some dissecting and evaluation to figure out exactly why uh, what happened happened. Uh, that is that is the bottom line there. All right. Uh, thanks for listening this morning. Come back this afternoon. Jack Hanley from Tucrium ETFs is going to be our guest. And I'm going to be on the road tomorrow making my way down to Louisville for the National yep. Farm Machinery Show. The yep. show Rook and Davis will be here to keep the conversation going right here on Agritalk.